Welcome to Bone, Stone, and Obsidian, a Dark Sun podcast. I'm your host, Jesse. And I'm Robert. Tonight, we have Earth's only real-life Eurekite Templar, June Solar. Hey, everybody. Before we get to talking to June, we're going to go through some news. It's always great when there's news about Dark Sun to talk about. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about Athos.org news first. There's been a few a few posts since last time uh, doing an open call for play testers for some adventures in the deadlands so if you want to play test some stuff go check that out we've also got sorry mark hope has let me put up his clients client villages of tier article so i made a quick little article for that if you liked what lynn abby did or the the, the client villages june oh uh, they're the uh, 10 client villages of of Uric. yeah yeah so if you liked those then uh, definitely check out this article. And then we put up another Athazen survey project, from Jack, this time on Saragar. So check those out. One of the things I, I want to mention, too, is that the Adventures in the Deadlands is super cool because there's a lot of published material for Dark Sun that's fairly early adventures. And then there are a couple of adventures that get into the mid to high level range, like Dragon's Crown and Black Spine. Deadlands is all like 10 to up, up, up level stuff for the most mm -hmm. part, because just to survive there, you got to be pretty high level. And so this is a great area for adventuring if you're running a Dark Sun campaign and you're like, okay, so my players have done the whole freedom and road to Ulrich and all of those things. What do we do now to get through that sort of mid-level hump and become great war leaders and and masters of magic and psionic arts before they get to the final end game transformations and throwing down with the dragon and things like that so this is a, a great chunk of content to inspire a whole section of the the world just off the south end of the map where you can have those kinds of adventures definitely yeah yeah it's good stuff uh, so Ben Riggs, he is a teacher and an author. Um, he His book, Slaying the Dragon, just came out. Uh, if you've not checked that out, it is an amazing book because it talks about uh, the beginnings of D&D and, and, and the end of TSR, literally how TSR tumbled and uh, Wizards of the Coast picked them up. Um, and the reason we're mentioning that is because during his time talking to people, he actually got some numbers, which have been very difficult to find, uh, about sales numbers. For years and years, nobody nobody would, had been able to dig them up. Um, not only that, but he was able to get Dark Sun sales numbers. He has so many numbers on Dark Sun; it's amazing. He's got more than anything, any more than any other setting. Uh, so he's got like individual product sales, which most other sales, or sorry, most 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 other settings that he had did not have individual products. They just had like the core box set. So uh, he's been releasing some of that. He he released the box set sales, the the adventures, and then he's been releasing them by year, sales by year. So once he gets done releasing all of those, I'm gonna go scrape all of his posts and put them all on athos.org so we can see all of them. It's got some really interesting data points there. You can see that their adventure sales peak in uh, 92 at a quarter of a million adventures, which for the 
tabletop game industry is kind of a ridiculous number. And that's for just a total of four different releases for Dark Sun, not including the core boxed set. So this is a setting that just went gangbusters for its first year and then it begins its slow and yet inexorable slide <laughs> and then once the the release schedule drops off of course sales eventually peter out because they're not making new adventures for dark sun um but it's uh, a fantastic look into that part of history and uh, of course the the whole overall slaying the dragon ties in with experiences i had in the industry back in the same era where uh various game companies were getting into the book trade White Wolf, where I worked, was one of them, and the returns policies for the major retailers were draconian, and they could suddenly, just at the end of the year, dump a million dollars worth of product back on a publisher and say, oh, these didn't sell, you got to give us our money back. Uh, and, and this was crippling for many of the game companies in, in that mid to late 90s era. And Ben's got all these numbers. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think we are looking at a total adventures, uh, it's a total Dark Sun adventures sold, and I think June. Aren't you the one that went in there and put all of the uh, the dates in there for the adventures? Yes, yes. Uh, the The reason I I did that it was just to for it to coincide with the popularity of what games came out when for Dark Sun. I mean, because initially Dark Sun was enormously popular, and just some adventures sold a lot more than others. So um, it was good to see that correlation between, um, say, like one of my favorite adventures, Dragon's Crown, that doesn't look like it sold as well. And then you see uh, Arcane Shadows, which a lot of people did not like, and it sold pretty well anyway. So um, I think that Dark Sun itself was just popular overall. Um, but yeah. uh, like Jesse said, the decline came swift. Uh, within a few years, unfortunately. Well, one thing that's notable about it, too, is that, it's, as you can see with all the, the dates that you put on there, like Freedom coming out in January of 92, Road to Ulrich in April of 92, at the start, this is all you get. If you picked up Dark Sun and this thing really resonates and sets a fire in your brain, uh, you want to buy an adventure so that you can run this setting with your friends, and that's what's on the market, so you buy it. Mm -hmm. And once they start getting a, a wider range of adventures on the market, you have a lot more choices and people have already bought the early things. And then Dragon's Crown's a fantastic adventure, but then you start getting into things like Black Flames and Merchant House of Amcatch. And mm -hmm. Black Flames, you know, I don't know that, that we've really covered it in detail, but there are some significant problems in that adventure. Yeah. I mean, there's, oh, there's yeah. no no two ways about it there's there's things that are missing in maps descriptions that are incorrect uh plot holes it's it's got <laughs> real problems so people start getting to the point of okay well i've gotten these early adventures and i've run them and then i take a look at this other one and my friends say it's not that great and so the the interest might start to wane as a result but that's all speculation on my part I think I think you're right on because that's, you know, I bought everything, but yeah, I, you know, everyone else is kind of like, eh. <laughs> and right. by that point, you know, uh, there just there was tons of of product. Uh, one of the things that he recently posted was just all the products that were le released in one year, and it's insane. Like those those like ninety two through ninety ninety five are just like fifteen products a year or something like that. It was crazy. I like to refer to that era as the height of TSR's creative power, where they are making things that are just uh, 
unheard of in fantasy gaming before then. Settings like mm -hmm. Planescape and, and as well as Dark Sun, uh, things that are, are really far afield from your typical fantasy Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk type stuff. Um, but they also wound up fragmenting their own market as a result because you mm -hmm. get one player who really loves Ravenloft and another who loves Dark Sun and a third who loves Planescape and nobody can decide what they want to play and they can't get a group together and they stop buying product. And uh, this has influenced Watsi's sales decisions up into the modern era where they, right. they worry about saying, okay, if we start putting out a whole bunch of these different setting books, is it going to fragment our audience? But the audience of today is not the audience of the mid-90s. Now it's people form interest groups with the internet. You can meet someone online who lives halfway across the country or halfway across the world and join them for a group. You can find mm -hmm. those interest groups for whatever it is that really Definitely. tickles your fancy. So the market is different, and I think that's also part of why we're starting to see Watsi open up on, okay, we'll do Ravenloft and Planescape and Spelljammer and Dragonlance again. Yeah, and talking about, you know, Ben talked about all of the sales for all of the settings. I was personally crushed that Planescape was actually so low. You know, it was barely higher than, you know, character and those other kind of very, you know, small small settings. And they put out so much stuff for Planescape. It's, it's crazy. I was so, so you know... And just their computer destroyed. game was very uh, oh, popular Torment, as well. Yeah, so good. Yeah, Torment is interesting because it, it's like its sales numbers are not that high, especially compared to Baldur's Gate, which, you know, they mm -hmm. used the same engine. It came out the year after. Um, but the the fans who love Torment are rabid about it. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they talk about how mind-blowing it was and how it challenged all of the assumptions of fantasy gaming of the, the era. Um and that thing was text heavy. Chris Avalon wrote, yeah, hundreds of thousands of words for mm -hmm. for that uh, game by himself. Yeah, I went in and um, so there there are some apps that you can get that you can like get into computer games. And so I went into that game and grabbed all of the maps and all of the little sprites, like all the characters. And then when I I recently ran a Planescape game using Fantasy Grounds, and so I used all those maps. And I used the story, like I used tons of the story, you know, not the obviously not the main storyline, but just like the little side quests and all of the characters that were in it. So it was super cool. The the people that had played it thought it was awesome because I was using all those all those callback characters. All, all those great assets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it probably was, worth mentioning cool. that the uh, the old Dark Sunbox uh, games that mm -hmm. predate that are available now on Steam as well as GOG. Uh, yep. So one of my one of my former players, one of my friends, Raphael. Uh, he's Brazilian, and not that that matters, but he he did the same thing that I did with the uh, with all the Dark Sun um, maps. So he got all those games and pulled the maps out of them. Uh, I'll throw a link in the show notes for that as well. So if oh, you want amazing. those maps, I mean they're 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 more crude than the Torment maps because they use older systems, but uh, you know it's still cool. Yeah, yeah, and and there's some great adventure ideas in there between the the little villages out in the wastes and some of the encounters that you have are pretty unique. Um, moving on, we've got uh, a new Dark Sun old school conversion from Lissandra Linares. And I'm a big fan of old school stuff because I played that back in the day. Um, so this is an interesting project to sort of backport Dark Sun to be more like early D&D. &D. 
uh, and follow some of the conventions and simplifications of earlier versions of the game before there were things like non-weapon proficiencies and, <laughs> and whatnot. So this is a, a, a very interesting project that's kind of uh, near and dear to my areas of interest. Definitely, yeah. Um, I, I grabbed it, and I had thought about running some old-school essential stuff uh, I ran like one game and I was like, okay, that was fun, but I don't really need to do that again. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's just very, it's very similar to the, you know, just to second edition uh, or first edition or even basic. Uh, and it's just the, it, it's not that it was bad. It's just that like it was new, some new players. And so like, they want, you know, ascending armor class and easy math. And they're like, why are we doing all this weird saves and stuff like that? You know, you really, mm -hmm. those, those little warts that are, you know, they don't really, they just make the game a little bit harder. Like in every tiny, every little step is something that you have to think about. And uh, yeah, that's, yeah, it, it's that's definitely uh, uh, there are hurdles in the old school mm -hmm. because gaming was new. Nobody knew what they were doing back then. But uh, if you've got a corner of the net where there's a bunch of people who just play old school essentials and Labyrinth Lord and Osric and all those kinds of retro clones, this could be a great way to introduce them to Dark Sun without having them to go through the hurdles of learning all of second edition AD&D because it's a, a really self-contained product. Yeah, yeah. So the next piece of news, actually this is written in an, uh, our, it was an old piece of news, if we now know the answer. I had put will Dark Sun play part in the Spelljammer release because we had I had written this before you know before Spelljammer <laughs> had come out. But now Spelljammer is out and this again has to do with June because June found an image uh on where was it at? I can't even remember now where Oh where it was, was in D D Beyond. Was it on D D Beyond? I thought it was yes. Oh okay so, oh you're right. It was on D D Beyond. Uh so it was on D D Beyond and the image said Athis space uh, and so everybody was like whoa Athis space and uh and teos he he responded to me because i i had posted it after i saw that june had posted it and teos responded like hey i wrote an article on uh roll 20 and they have the same map but it doesn't say Athis space it says doom space so there is uh there was a question of whether Doom Space in Spelljammer was Athis at one point, and obviously we know that there was a bunch of Dark Sun, Dark Sun monsters. And now that we can look at the actual book, it looks very the 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 system and the planet and the description sounds like Dark Sun to me. What do you guys think? Uh, so I I would agree with you one hundred percent. I um, I believe that. I want to say it was Ray uh, Winnegar who said that um, a world was going to do a cameo and mm -hmm. considering that three settings are out and the only cameo that anything did was, you know, the dark sun monsters that were featured in the free PDF mm -hmm. as well as what was featured in the star um, in the spell jammer uh, monsters guide. So I think that that was probably an homage to dark sun. Um, but at, what I like about it is that at least they they uh, pulled back some and just excluded Athos out of it. And I think that um, creating the the Eye of Doom um, gives us an opportunity to actually um, meld the two in a thin way 
uh, to meld the two so that if you want your Athos, just go through the Eye of Doom and uh, you'll get Dark Sun. That's my assumption, of course. I don't have any insider knowledge or anything like that, but it yeah. just seems that way. Yeah, that's that sounds great. Yeah, it certainly is a, an interesting way to isolate it from the rest of the planes by saying, okay, yeah, if you want to get to Athos, you have to go into this hypermass or whatever it is, and there's no coming back from it. You can't reverse out the other way. So no one wants to go in there, but if for some reason you had to, you could. My part, pet theory is that this is part of their multiverse sharding that debuted in Fizban's Dragons book, where they talked about dragons having consciousness that cross different multiverses, much like the Marvel Universe IP, and that this is sort of their way of saying you can have a multiverse where Athos is destroyed and doesn't exist, and you could have another multiverse where Athos does exist, but no one can get there from the other planes. And however you want to skin it is up to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it lets you lets any GM kind of use it however they want. Yeah, definitely. right. It's it's like obviously any DM can do whatever they want, but this is sort of baking in that permissiveness and saying, hey, if you decide that Dark Sun doesn't fit the feel of the the campaign that you're doing and you're using spell jamming and plane travel then you just do this doom space thing with it and it just doesn't exist but if you like dark sun then maybe in your fragment of the multiverse it does and everyone's table is their own fragment of the multiverse yeah. right so oh good no i was gonna say um that's actually a, a very good idea in fact one um that is being worked on right now by the original creator of the crimson sphere as well as the um, Thaz.org uh, dev group. And I think that mm -hmm. in a few months, uh, we should be able to share a little bit more. I don't want to speak for Jack, um, who's our lead over there, but um, there'll be more to be released. And I think uh, a lot of people are going to either um, enjoy it or add it to their Spelljammer campaigns. Uh, so I think I'm looking forward to the finished product. And uh, I'm hoping that there'll be an announcement in a few months. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to talk about mm -hmm. that. So um those guys uh and i know june's in there too have, have had a lot of great ideas i've seen a lot of great ideas uh just you know taking dark sun what we know of it plus taking the doom space stuff and sort of mashing that together plus just have just you know the whole rumors of uh the messenger being uh you know uh, having to do with the halflings and like okay well are there halflings in space the old like rule thon halflings or are there like bio spell jammers or like what's going on so a lot of cool ideas there comes uh, the wanderer so excited <laughs> yes for sure <laughs> all right uh so there are still a couple of uh dark sun streams going on vorpal tales is streaming every thursday at 9 p.m eastern we'll put a link to that uh twitch and twitter um there was a stream city by the silt sea in portuguese um i don't speak portuguese but uh rafael said he was going to watch it but i'll have to get back to him to see how it was ah we'll get a review and link that somewhere yeah and then, then i also i didn't put it here but uh mark hope of course has been running his uh his dark sun game um on the lawful stupid page and they are they're they're in the middle of dragon's crown i think last time i heard Oof, so good. Wish I could play in that. Yeah. Um, plus, they've got uh, a bunch of material coming to the DMs Guild. And as we all know, we can't 
legitimately put actual Dark Sun material on the DMs Guild, but nothing stops you from saying, hey, this is for your desert wasteland-themed game where <laughs> everyone's fighting with bone weapons and water is scarce. <laughs> yes. So Blue, Blue Goblin Games has been doing that. They've got, um, they've got a blog that's got some great Dark Sun content, and then they've got, like Jesse said, stuff on the DMs Guild. There's something called Fire, Sand, and Fury, Rule options for Desert Wasteland Survival and Bone and Steel. Rule options for specialty armor, weapons, and feats. So definitely check that out. And I think that's all 5th edition stuff. Right. All right. And now we'll get to the meat of our special guest. Oh, tasty, the halflings would say. Um, so June, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into Dark Sun in a big way. So... Um... I got into uh, Dark Sun uh, when it came out. I was in high school, and uh, uh, we played it for, I want to say, until the end of the campaign, and then we moved to a vampire for about 10 years. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's just how it went. And um, in our game, I ran all the adventures, um, all the published adventures, all the adventures in um, Dungeon Magazine. Uh, there were several. I think there were uh, three, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, and we fell in love with the world. I think that, you know, one of the things about Dark Sun and, and Athos in general is that, you know, it just it brings out some difficulties in the 90s where, where we weren't thinking about um, certain events where we are thinking about them now or very in your face now, uh, such as like environmental disaster um, or uh, economic uh, inequality. Uh, so those things to us, Back then, didn't really mean much, but they 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 uh, promoted a struggle. And so, our characters, of course, we started with a, a, a little knowledge, um, the the intro adventure, and we continued on from there. Uh, eventually, I, I made my own uh, adventures, or I took the Dungeon Magazine uh, Desert Adventures wherever they had one, and uh, we made it Dark Sun. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was it was just great. And uh, I did create some some old content in high school i mean i don't know where it's at anymore it's long gone but um one one of the things is we always played in uric uh or uric one all my players uh to include my brothers and uh and my my friends uh, they just despise the templars um <laughs> of the city um and of course they always knew when they were coming because they would you know um praise hamanu and then the spell would be coming off and everybody everybody would be running to the desert all the time so i you know that's that's where i got started um then uh when i uh got into 3e uh, when it came out and i played it a little bit I couldn't play it too much in the beginning because i was uh it was the beginning of the war so i just uh kept getting deployed so um no fun there but when we got back um i think it only lasted like five years where we played continuously and we took all of the athaz.org stuff and tried to convert as much as uh, we could. Initially, even prior to that, um, I was in uh, uh, AOL.com and we had those mm -hmm. groups oh, yeah. and uh, yep. we, we would create products there. And I remember um, I created a, a, a spell, an epic spell. Um, I'm trying to create elemental vortex basically you know how to be a sorcerer king um and i for the life of me i had it for years and I, i've looked through my files up in the attic and i just can't find it anymore um 
But anyway, so that's that was uh, my thing to you know give um, uh, the newer advanced uh, beings in Dark Sun some uh, some ability to be just like the uh, Sorcery Kings. So we wanted to grow that out. Then um, when uh, 4E came out, I played it, but I just uh, didn't enjoy it. I have the books, but um, I didn't enjoy 4E. Then I moved to uh, Pathfinder, and I and I uh, played it for about ten years, and uh, became the organized uh, the Northeast Regional Organized Coordinator. Stayed there for a long time until uh, 2019 when I uh, retired out of that, and just devoted myself to Dark Sun. And then, uh, you know, uh, after that, I've just been doing minis, um, building my own campaign, trying to get others involved in the campaigns. Um, and, uh, I think for the last three years, I've been going to cons, uh, running dark sun exclusively. So ever since COVID basically I've been doing it. And so, um, now that we're kind of at the tail end of, um, the COVID lockdowns, now I'm going to go back to my normally, um, aggressive con schedule, which I go to about eight, eight cons, um, a year. Um, and we're just going to run dark sun. You're doing Hamanu's nice. work. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and I and I cosplay. Uh, now, now when I go to the conventions, I cosplay as a, a Templar of uh, Hamanu, and um, depending on the the games, I, I bought a muscle suit, and so we're we're hoping that I can get it going um, for for Gen Con next year uh, and Origins, and see if I can be uh, uh, Rikus, basically. Oh, nice. try to, <laughs> try to be a uh, Rikus during our event. Um, so but that's basically it. The Mind Mage Ascendancy is the campaign that you typically run when you visit these uh, conventions? Yes, yes. Uh, so it's a series of 12 event. Well, it's it's my homebrew campaign. Mm -hmm. um, and I've taken uh, basically 12 sections of the campaign and kind of uh, compiled it so that I can run in about a three and a half hour uh, con slot, in essence. So, um, the, the first part is called five days in Uric, and I don't think I've actually ran it at a con. Um, I have two, um, home campaigns, uh, both dark sun. And so one is a, a pathfinder three mashup, and then the other one is a five E, uh, game. And so they play the campaign first and then basically they're, you know, they're, they're play testing it. And then after they play test it, then I, I compile all the notes and stuff and then, you know, uh, package it. And whenever I go to a con, I, I'll release two of those adventures and uh, I'll run them at the con. And so far, they've been a hit. I mean, they it's an instant sell wherever uh, we've gone. Um, I usually include like little 3D miniatures that I print out. They're all Dark Sun miniatures. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, you know, so they can all, you know, they can keep them. Um, and I think uh, I got a... Uh, uh, a streamer, um, like a, the actual um, uh, ad streamer, and um, we're going to get another one next year. I uh, I don't know if you guys uh, know Todd uh, Stigliano. He's the one who he's the author of uh, On a Waterless Sea, uh, hmm. at Dragon Magazine. He wrote mm -hmm. the the information on on the Sil Skimmers. Right. So he and I are going to run a uh, a Dark Sun uh, Arena event at Origins. Throughout the throughout the con, so it's gonna be great. Oh, amazing! That's super cool. I'm so, all in. I gotta I gotta get to one of these conventions. I gotta get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking now. I just gotta, you know, get it uh, approved by by the boss. So uh, once my wife says it's okay, then uh, you know, <laughs> we we can go. Luckily, her family's in Cali, so um, there's always a con that I go uh, in California. It's usually uh, Northern California, um, but sometimes um, we've talked about you know her family's from LA, so doing a con in LA. I think there's only one right now. I think uh, or con or strategic con. Strategic con, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were there were three local conventions in the general LA area that got merged together under the same production umbrella, and Strategicon and OrtCon are two of those. Um, right. Nice. So you talked about part of the adventure that uh, that you wrote being in Uruk. You dressed up as a, uh, a Urukite Templar. Uh, you must know a lot about uh, Uruk. Oh yes, yes. Um, I wrote a. Uh, a free source book, um, City State of Uric. I think you guys talked about it um, a few sessions ago. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's talk about it some more. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, so so uh, because my campaign started there, I wanted to ensure that um, the players can go anywhere they wanted to in the city, and I would have it uh, thematically uh, covered, or at least a description of the events covered. So what I started on was initially I just looked at the 4e map of Uric and I um, remade it and then after I remade it I basically started describing the sections and annotating room by a uh, building by building which ones eventually I got to 200 rooms which uh, I think was uh, 200 too many and uh, <laughs> yeah and then so a couple of the uh, of the individuals which I was uh, showing the product to said hey maybe you need to lower your word count. Um, so that, so that you can get to maybe, you know, maybe a hundred. And so we, we ended up at doing a 110. I, I asked for volunteers on the uh, Facebook group and uh, we did have a few like, um, uh, uh, Todd, uh, Stigliano, um, uh, German Bruja, um, who's, uh, he's, uh, uh, from South America and uh, a few others, uh, jumped in and gave me three or four places and we just added them. And uh, built the the city. I then developed the Templars and stuff and the Templar ranks. A lot of the stuff I took from uh, Lynn Abbey, her notes. And, you know, I just developed uh, the product until I had like a 60,000 word um, document that I had to chop down. There's a source book. So you mentioned five days in Ulrich as a, a starter adventure in that city. And, uh, of course, Ulrich's a, a highly militaristic city-state, and the, the Templars also serve as the soldiers for Hamanu. And uh, what sorts of shenanigans do you see PCs typically getting up to in that city? What kinds of trouble are they going to get into? Obviously, nobody wants to be sent to the Obsidian Mines. Um, but uh, what, what, what little adventure hooks did you populate in there? Give, give me a teaser, man. So, so, uh, so the, the way the campaign starts, um, I, I wanted to get away from the, you know, start as slaves trope and, uh, we start in an inn, the greasy kank. Um, so we start at the greasy kank inn where, um, the, the dwarven, uh, proprietor is a former gladiator, uh, who's basically earned his keep and earned his freedom. And he's a, a by the book, um, uh, proprietor and because he's a by the book and he tolerates no nonsense it makes the greasy kank a very 
um, good place to meet at because you know the laws are not going to be broken and the Templars are not <laughs> going to be uh, coming here as often. They do still show up. Um, and so there, um, the first thing that they realize is that the code of Hamanu is everywhere. Um, it's just, you just, you, it's inescapable, uh, within the city. However, um, uh, other, uh, Urukites know that it is malleable. Uh, in other words, you can bend the law, uh, without breaking it. And, you know, and of course, if you grease the palm of the Templars with a bunch of ceramics, then things might look your way. And so uh, one of the things that we did is initially is um, because Yurik is so militarized and the, in my campaign, I forgot to say this, in my campaign, it's 49 years forward from the events of the prison pentad. Mm. So that allows me to kind of remove some of that stuff and, you know, just have a clean slate. And so there at that point in time um the templars have actually uh, been very successful in their uh pogrom against um the veiled alliance and because of that um it creates dissension in the ranks of the alliance where the younger uh mages they want action against the templars and the senior mages who are left are trying to say hey you know we've been here before don't do this. Don't do anything stupid. And so that allowed me to create some uh, younger mages that want to get work done uh, either um, by um, smuggling uh, spell components. That's one of the short missions that we have is um, basically a, um, a merchant asks the uh, PCs at the Greasy Kank if they can deliver a package in the nobles uh, quarter. At, to another noble um, who happens to be a defiler and they don't know that but by the time they go through all these gates they've had to see like six six uh, templar patrols um sniffers uh, you know anybody anybody out there is a threat pretty much and then when they get there um they're not actually allowed in the noble's quarter and another templar in t- true templar fashion steals the package uh mm-hmm. in order to frame um, the the noble, in other words, uh, to out him as a as a defiler, and then frame. Oh, him. my Amazon package! But you <laughs> yes. know, maybe if the PCs are smart, they don't care as long as they can get away with their hides intact. Let that guy take the fall. Yes, uh, so they did, and then uh, so that actually did happen, um, and they got their package taken away. And so while they're uh, reveling, the the five days of Uruk actually occurs during the high high sun festival. It's the it's the festival that uh, I was written about a while ago. Um, and so what I used was I used a little bit of the uh, Pathfinder uh, storyline. Uh, they did Dark Sun in Dragon and uh, Dungeon Magazines when they uh, wrote it. And there's a piece there that Hamanu um, uh, parades at, you know during the festivals, at the end of the festival, and showcases himself and his armies. And so we used that as a, a festival period. Anyway, that occurs on the fifth day of... Uh, the, the five days in Uric. But prior to that, the the Templars, I mean, the players are eventually kind of corralled to helping the Veiled Alliance. Um, um, they get involved with uh, elves who are up to no good. In other words, they're trying to sell um, contraband and uh, they're trying to pawn it off as the players are the ones who are selling it. So you have a run in the elven market. Um, nice. Yeah, so so basically it's, it's, a, it's a host of about 10 very small encounters. And what I, what I wanted to do, if, uh, if you guys are familiar with uh, 
the the old D and D B one nine series where they have yep. a host of of, uh, of small little adventures and then they mm-hmm. start narrowing down until you get to that storyline. But at least it gives the the players an opportunity to choose what they want to do. And so I didn't want to I didn't want to railroad them too much. So right, and, right. They've got the Greasy Kank as their hub, and then there's a, a bunch of different adventure that radiate out from it, and they can choose which direction they want to go. Right. That sounds that sounds amazing, and it is yeah, amazing. I, I've you know I've read read the book. It's definitely definitely awesome. Uh, if you've not picked it up yet, definitely go grab it. Again, we'll put a link in the show notes, of course. Uh, you mentioned that you give folks minis, um, and if you are uh, a part of the Facebook group, you've likely seen uh, some of June's minis. Not only has he gotten some awesome you know STLs and printed them. But he's made some, so many. Uh, I'll, we'll put all these links. But he's he made a silt skimmer, um, uh, a rook yeah. toy, a cloud ray, an undead war beetle, an amcatch caravan. So many awesome, uh, you know, just amazing looking minis. Tell us about that. So uh, I, I've got like thousands of miniatures. I love I love gaming on um, you know a, a map, a visual uh, map, and. Uh, I just got to, to building. I've always wanted to, you know, build my own dioramas for 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 my my strange aeons group home group as well. We, I build all these crazy dioramas. I've got a castle, um, but anyway. So so Dark Sun. I was I was like, well, Dark Sun needs uh, some of this love. And uh, when I go to conventions, I want to not only showcase uh, Dark Sun, but I want to bring the creatures uh, to life, or at least as you know as living as we can right. in the game by physically having them uh, present. And so all of the things that I've created uh, are all in, are, uh, in all my adventures um, when I go out to the con. So I, I usually bring this huge uh, tote case and uh, in there's all the miniatures. And uh, even the PCs that I've created, the pre-gens, uh, I've got minis for all of them as well. Um, and, you know, folks, folks have enjoyed them. I, I know they've shared uh, pictures all over the place. Uh, so it's been pretty cool. This is super nice because there's only a limited amount of Dark Sun art out there about the the strange monsters and creatures that you'll run into, Rook Toy and Cloud Rays and things like that. Uh, you know, everyone's seen a hundred pictures of a goblin or an orc, you know, but but what does a Braxet look like? There's maybe three pieces of art of those. So having these things in order to help players really visualize what they're encounter is super cool. No, I agree. I agree. And I, so, so, uh, that, that reminds me that for, um, Athascon, I I'm offering, um, STL files for, uh, GMs who decide, uh, to run, uh, an event. So if anybody, uh, wants to run a game, uh, they they'll get, uh, the STL files if they have 3d printers, or if they just play in VTTs, I've got some, uh, dark sun, uh, creature tokens that are coming out. I didn't draw them. I've got Devin Knight doing them, um, ah, but yes. uh, they'll they'll be out soon. And I think, I think uh, Rob, I think you um, you use Devin or you, uh, mm-hmm. somehow that you guys did a, a, a like a group fund. Yeah, yeah, we did a bunch of uh, Dark Sun similar monsters. <laughs> um, so for those that might not know what Athascon is, why don't you tell us about it? So uh, Athascon came about uh, just maybe ten days ago. 
mm-hmm. I spoke with the the guys who um, uh, did ran uh, Jam- JammerCon, so uh, David and uh, Adam, and um, we we talked about it. I said, "Hey, I'd like to do something like this for uh, Dark Sun," and I think it was also mentioned in the Facebook group, and so. I said, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe we can do something. Um, I wish we did it last year uh, right, or on, yeah. the, on the thirtieth anniversary uh, of the of the of Dark Sun's release, but it is what it is. And um, so, AthosCon is an online uh, convention. Uh, right now, I have six games uh, set, and uh, I've spoken with a couple of other um, content creators uh, on uh, Twitch who will also be running games. I don't want to uh, give them up until. Um, We've got everything solidified, but you will see familiar faces um, that have ran um, games in Twitch also running uh, the games uh, during AthosCon. Um, we're looking to include uh, 2E, uh, 3E, 4E, 5E games. You know, If somebody wants to run a, a Dark Sun game in another system, that's fine. I'm a firm believer that Dark Sun as a setting really doesn't need a uh, a system any specific system you can make it work definitely um, you know the three of us can run a game and just say all right what do you do and <laughs> we can still play dark sun with a just a rolling a die or not rolling anything and i think right. that you know folks need to remember that um mm-hmm. that it's not just one edition that is dark sun i think dark sun is it goes beyond um systems for sure right. so when is uh good. when is athoscon so AthosCon begins on October 29th. It's a Saturday, but we might have uh, some events on Friday night just to kind of, you know, like uh, I would say like, you know, pre-gaming it, right? <laughs> um, and then uh, it, it goes on uh, Saturday and Sunday, so the two days before uh, Halloween. Um, we're going to run all the way to 11 o'clock. Uh, myself, I'm running uh, four games, and then I'm going to run um, – a, uh, a one hour, a one to two hour um, uh, dark sun excursions. Basically, um, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have uh, pregens of all the systems, right? So if you want to play 2E, you can play your 2E character, and the other players can be playing their 5E character. And so we're just going to have a spreadsheet of, of how to uh, translate, you know, what a 1D8, you know, attack might mean. Uh, depending on the additions, because the hit point values are, are a little bit different, but um, that's how we're going to try to play it. Um, and it's going to be a, an arena match, and then uh, if uh, the players want, they can finish their arena match on Saturday, and then the winners can uh, go on Sunday, and they can continue on the gladiator uh, combat. And so um, that's one of the the excursions we're going to do, and we're going to see how it how it works out. If it's very successful. Uh, right now we're doing it on Warhorn, um, but if it's uh, successful enough, we'll go ahead and uh, next year we'll run it again, uh, but this time through uh, tabletop games. Um, I don't want to charge players uh, for this. I think uh, you know I I can uh, handle everything here, but I don't want to. Um, I want to make it easy for signups, and I know mm-hmm. that uh, some people have a problem with Warhorn. Um, uh, so how do uh, GMs sign up if someone wants to run? So on the Facebook site and on the Discord, there are links um, to a Google Docs page. Basically, just says, "Hey, what do you want to run?" Uh, GMs are free to run whatever they want uh, and whenever, because uh, we know a lot of people are international. I know I got a ping the other day from somebody in Australia, so um, you know we're, we're going to try to fit in as many people as we can. 
but um, I talked to um, uh, the Piazza um, and I have an in-world account and we're going to push all that information out um, so that uh, AthosCon gets a little bit more uh, momentum. We still have seven weeks uh, before the con and it's a, it's a digital con. So um, I think we have enough time uh, just based off of how JammerCon did it. Um, we yeah. have uh, enough time to make it happen. Uh, so at the very least, there'll be six, seven, eight games that people can play. Uh, myself, I'm running uh, Clutchmates uh, and 2E. I'm also running two of my uh, um, 5E adventures from uh, the Mind Mage. And uh, um, the last adventure that I'm running is going to be a 4E uh, adventure, this, the Lost Cistern of Aravec. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, the, the arena match that we're going to have, so... Hopefully other people join in, you know, um, I did contact some individuals for panels. Um, I know, uh, Mark Hope, uh, uh, talked to me about it. So, uh, and of course, uh, Rob, you talked to me about it as well. So we're hoping that, you know, we're, we're going to have, uh, a, a good time. Uh, hopefully it'll be, um, friendly, but you know how dark Sun is a little bit savage. So <laughs> definitely <laughs> there might be some elbows thrown. <laughs> uh, right. Maybe, maybe. So I will definitely be running some games. I just got to figure out which ones. Um, and talking about the panels, what what are you hoping to do with the panels? So one of the panels that uh, we have is um, how to make Dark Sun uh, relevant in any edition. In other words, um, there's a lot of talk. I'm sure you've seen it in various uh, forums that mm-hmm. uh, fifth edition cannot um, sustain Dark Sun. And I think that... Uh, I don't want to say I absolutely disagree uh, with players, but uh, in every edition, um, you just have to add certain things to to get the me- the mechanical aspects of Dark Sun into your game. The thematic ones, it's just up to the GM and their description. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of those things is to you know talk about the gritty realism um, rules that are right in the DM's guild. Um, others are uh, ideas that individuals have uh, created to make uh, the survival, the environmental aspects of Dark Sun kind of pop uh, mm-hmm. and other things. And I think that it's, it's just going to be a one-hour um, uh, panel. Hopefully, uh, we'll get individuals. You won't get a lot of shouting. We'll get more uh, you know, um, a conversation going and so that individuals mm-hmm. can understand nuance, which I think is a, a little lost right now, especially when people are just talking over each other. And, I, and I'm, I'm hoping that instead of a yelling session or just, uh, you know, Dark Sun doesn't work, 5e, <laughs> you know, nonsense, uh, I think that, you know, some people can see the light. And even if they don't agree and they don't want to play the system, they can at least see, hey, you could make it work if you add these things. Because ultimately, in 2e, Dark Sun, all the stuff was pretty much added. I mean, it's got right. a rule book. <laughs> yep. So folks forget that and, you know they're yeah. like oh no it only worked in 2e and no it works because they added 96 <laughs> yep. pages of rules let's, right. let's be honest with ourselves exactly mm-hmm. and, and yeah that hopefully will be a very productive discussion because there there are some folks who just want to yuck other people's yum and say uh you can't do it and if you are doing it you're you're not doing real dark sun it's like well who made you the arbiter of what's real dark sun and if people are having a good time who are you to say that they can't and they're not allowed so mm-hmm. ideally this will offer advice and ideas for the people who are interested but aren't really sure what direction to take 5e for dark sun or other game editions right yeah i just started looking into savage worlds um because Mm -hmm. uh i came 
by Savage Worlds because I wanted to play Rifts. And so we played a game of Rifts Ultimate Edition, which was an experience. <laughs> uh, I, I have not played Rifts since, uh, you know, since high school or whatever. So uh, learning the system or trying to learn the system was, was definitely interesting. Um, and so I've had the Savage stuff uh, for a while and just haven't played it. And so uh, I'm actually going to run it on Wednesday here. Um, so that'll be cool. And so looking at that, I know there's a Savage Dark Sun group. Yep. Uh, and so I might might just try that, you know? Let's I'm, see how Savage Dark Sun works. I'm personally interested in Forbidden Lands conversion of Dark Sun. I played a mm -hmm. bunch of Forbidden Lands recently. That's a relatively new game. It came out, I think, 2019 from Free League, maybe more recent than that even. Uh, what is time in the pandemic? <laughs> and uh, uh, it has a really tight cycle of procedures for wilderness exploration, finding adventure sites and handling the need for food and water and various exploration supplies and i think that turning that toward dark sun uh could make for a very interesting survival themed game while you're trying to make your way across the wastes and and uh, having to make do with whatever you can find in order to to have enough to eat and drink and a safe place to sleep during the the worst parts of the sun uh and whatnot and make tough decisions about whether you try to travel at night and I know that a uh, conversion was done by fans for that as well. Um, and I, I haven't read it yet, but I'm trying to dig that up so I can see what they did with it. And I really, really hope that they took the obvious route and named it Forbidden Sands. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have that one as well. I mean, I've, I've collected many uh, other system versions of Dark Sun, but the themes are, you know, thankfully the themes are the same. There's about eight major themes, I think. I think Tails wrote that for 4E a long time ago, but uh, um, you know, there's just those eight major themes, and I think every system uh, has an opportunity to run it um, and get it right. It just needs a little tweaking. That's all. Just a little love. Mm -hmm. A little friendly source. Absolutely. Monarch so love. jumping back to AthosCon real quick, uh, what are some of the major events that people, or major dates that people got to know for this? Oh, so um, GM uh, event submissions are already open. Uh, they open on August 30th. So just go to the Google Docs, uh, sign up for the event. Um, we're accepting events all the way until October 7th. Um, depending on how many we have, I don't want to clutter it up. Uh, that was an issue at, at Spell uh, JammerCon. Some of the time frames um, prevented uh, players from kind of jumping like they would on a normal con because mm -hmm. I don't have normal con slots. Um, but uh, September 20th, uh, players can sign up uh, on Warhorn. They'll see whatever uh, I, uh, we have submitted already. I would already have uh, posted them. And then on the 29th, um, you know, AthosCon begins, and we're hoping that uh, we get a good turnout. If it's anything like uh, Spelljammer, the community is about, at least on Facebook, it's about three times as big. Uh, you know, we're hoping for, you know, a little bit under 100 people to uh, participate. So if we get about 10 to 12 games, I think uh, I'm going to call that a success. All right. Definitely, definitely. So we will definitely put all of this information on uh, in the show notes with links and everything. So you know, feel free to join the Discord and uh, start talking about Athoscon. Absolutely. I'm stoked. And I cannot wait to hear back from you about all of the successes that you have with AthosCon. And I think everyone in the Dark Sun community is probably really looking forward to seeing this raise the bar and keep hope alive. Yes, keep hope alive. 
Definitely. So June, if uh, people want to find you on the internet, where, where can they do that? So most times, um, if they want to communicate with me, they can just uh, email me at uh, junesolar at gmail.com or um, I'm, I'm regularly posting on the Facebook site, uh, on athaz.org, uh, on the, uh, the Dark Sun uh, Discord. Um, and uh, I think I'm called Old School GM on the uh, Reddit site. So uh, you, you can find me anywhere. Uh, the, the name's not hidden for the most part. It's June Solar, uh, just about everywhere we go, except on, on Reddit. Um, so you can find me, whatever, and talk to me, uh, ask questions um, uh, about Dark Sun. I'm, you know, I'm not an expert by uh, any means. I'm just a, a fan, and I've got my own fandom version of Dark Sun I can share with anybody. That's awesome. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining oh. us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Jesse, uh, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they do that? As always, I'm uh, on Twitter under my Jesse Heinig account, and I also occasionally pop into the Dark Sun Reddit where I use the handle Trekhead because I work on Star Trek as my day job. And, uh, uh, of course, um, if you've seen some of my uh, articles and adventures then you know that I, I have a repository of things on the, the google drive for people to download uh, as well um which i believe are now linked through athos.org as well please tell me you linked them <laughs> they should be yes <laughs> <laughs> fantastic <laughs> and if you are looking to get a hold of me you can find me on twitter at radu76 uh, in the facebook group on the arena forums on the discord Anywhere people are talking about Dark Sun, I'm probably there. So thank you, uh, thank you again, June, for for coming on, and you know we will see you at AthosCon. Yep, looking forward to it. And fans, if uh, you want to play Dark Sun, come to AthosCon. <laughs>